<clears throat> this afternoon with a start in chapter 54, and I was uh, trying to get a jumping off point here in that chapter. And it ties in with the rest of those chapters, starting, I think, at four, chapter 45 or whatever. Uh, a summation from Isaiah, and all of this is really to the church. And it tells about the extent of the church and the certainty of deliverance and preservation of the church. That the church will be saved, the salvation of the church, but to what extent the church will grow. It says, Sing, O barren, thou that did not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud. Thou that did not didst not travail with child, for more the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Enlarge the place of thine tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thine cords, and strengthen thine stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles, and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither be thou confounded, for thou shalt be put to shame, for thou shalt not be put to shame, for thou shalt forget the shame of thine youth, and shall not remember the reproach of thine widowhood any more. For thine maker is thine husband, the Lord of hosts is his name. Thy redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth shall he be called. For the Lord had called thee as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit and a wife of youth when thou wast refused, saith the Lord. For a small for a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment. But with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. For this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For I, as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee, nor rebuke thee. For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed. But my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord, that had mercy on thee. O thou afflicted! Tossed with tempest and not comforted. Behold, I will lay thine stones with fair colors and lay thine fountain with sapphires. And I will make thine windows of agates and thy gates of carbuncles and all thy borders of pleasant stones. And all thine children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of thine children. I want to focus upon... That last verse, I just read the 13th verse. It says, And all thine children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be thine peace. In the Amplified Version, which gives it a little bit more context for us to understand. It says, And all your spiritual sons will be disciples of the Lord, and great will be the well-being of your sons. So he's not talking about everybody in the church, just like when he talks about Israel, he's not talking about all of Israel. Abraham had physical descendants that wasn't going to be saved, that didn't operate by faith, and that wasn't included in the all men. Well, here, all of the people in the church is not included, but it's all of those that are born again, all of those that are spiritual, because everybody in the church is not spiritual. There are two different seeds in the earth, even though all may believe, but that doesn't mean all are chosen, that all are saved. So all of the spiritual ones will be taught of the Lord. Now there's different ways to be taught of the Lord, and it's not just as black and white. That's why I said God's children are coming to church. They're coming to assemblies because God had said, pastors and teaching teachings, teachers in the church to help give his children knowledge and understanding 
So it's not like you're just sitting down there and God's teaching you as a professor or something. There's a whole lot of ways God instructs and teaches his children. There are a whole lot of different instruments that God uses. I know you've heard of the old phrase, a lot of people say that they've been to the school of hard knocks. Well, that's a euphemism, is that they didn't have a rough time experience growing up, and that was their, their teacher. Jeremiah 23, 1 through 4 says, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel against the shepherds who feed my people. You have scattered my flock, driven them away, and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doings, says the Lord. But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their foes, and they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. Now, that's a lot of people who leave churches and leave different places because they're not hearing the voice of the true shepherd. They're not being fed. They're not giving spiritual nutrition. Now, they may be in the wrong, wrong herd. I'm not saying that there are cases that they're not in the wrong herd or the wrong fold. There, uh, there are many under shepherds, so for you finding the right physicality of the place where you belong is like the Ezekiel, like Ezekiel in the valley of dry bones. You need to be in the church and in the place doing the purpose where you were purposed to be. You may be somewhere trying to teach or trying to sing or do something else. You may should be a deacon or usher or something else in another place where you rightly fit into the body of Christ. The church is fitly framed, so a lot of times we are out of conjunction, and the shepherds have helped scattered the flock, and they didn't counsel or go after the flock or find out why they left or what's incompatible where they may be or whatever, because that's a great job of being a shepherd. That The people will help dividing the church during the Corinthian times, some was Apollos, some of Paul, and some of Jesus, and some was of Cephas. But all in all, it was the same God, it was the same message. Whether they were drawn to different preachers or whatever, Paul says that they were carnal, they had respect of persons, of people, but the message was the same message. So don't let the message of the individual scatter you, you should find out from God just where you belong in the body of Christ, what place you belong at, what what jurisdiction you belong in. You shouldn't be in another man's pasture or whatever. In other words, you eating out of, of a different field. As Jimmy Swaggart once said, a lot of people listen at his teaching or whatever. They never send any resources to him or whatever. He said it's like eating at Piccadilly and paying Burger King. So it's a lot of ministries. You can sow into that ministry. You could sow into your home ministry. I don't ask for donations of money from people on air or people that's listening at us. If they want to freely give or thriftily give, they can do that. But I suggest you take care of your home church first, the, the, where you're being fed at. That's where God had placed you at. And then if you're funds, you can do missionary funds, evangelism, and spin elsewhere, but make sure you're taking care of home first. Uh, it's a mighty poor man that doesn't take care of his own house first. Uh, those gone astray, it is interesting that Jesus depicted the separated sheep in his parable in Matthew 18, chapter 12 through the 14th verse as going, gone astray, and in Luke 15, four through seven as being lost. Now that's a whole different teaching and it's different reasons sheep get lost, sheep wander away. A lot of times those sheep don't come back. The wolf catch them and destroy them. They destroy the scragglers, the one on the edges of the fringes of that's why you need to belong to a church. You need to belong to a flock. 
and you need to stay tightly, uh, closely unit, unified with that flock and set apart in that flock and there's protection within that crowd. Jesus has set certain men in his church as shepherds to tend the flock under him. They are described in the book of Ephesians 4 ch- chapter 11 through the 16th verse as gifts unto the church. Ephesians 11 verse says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teaching for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and about with every wind of, uh, every wind of doctrine by the slay of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love that we may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint Supplied according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, make it increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So that's why he gifted the church. Now there is bad teachers and bad teaching, and some that shouldn't be teachers. And James talked about this in the book of James, the third chapter, and the first verse says, "Let us not all be teachers or not to have." many different masters. James makes it very clear that the teacher will will receive stricter punishment. So the false teachers and false prophets and those that wasn't called to those positions, they will be punished for what they're doing. That's in God's hands. We learn that God takes care. He's been working throughout the earth and the world through years to, to affect these things. God makes it very clear that other shepherds besides Christ are necessary for leading and caring for his people. In the book of Zechariah, the 10th chapter, and the second verse says, For the idols speak delusion, the diviners envision lies, and tell false dreams. They comfort in vain, therefore the people win their way like sheep. They are in trouble because there is no shepherd. So there has to be a shepherd. We need shepherds to lead the flock. And God had set shepherds in the church. And there are a lot of different uh, ways that God teaches his flock. His flock is taught. The context makes it very clear that he's speaking about human leaders. So when the book of Hebrews says you have no need of of any man to teach you but the spirit itself teaches you it's not being saying that you be independent of the church but it's saying that you're led by the spirit of God and that spirit of God's going to confirm with those teachers of the gifted leaders that God has set there to lead you it's not that each man do what's right in his own eyesight he has set the churches to have structure and the church grows and that whatever you're learning and that's why I say you can learn from all things all during the day I learn from everything that's going on because I'm seeking and looking for God in all things but I'm also asking him to protect me and keep me and guide me you know we could have been in a deadly wreck on the way here or whatever but God causes us to see God helps us If anything would have happened, it would have been within God's will. But could we have been negligent? Sometimes we could be negligent and not aware of what's going on. on. Now as a leader thinking about, because a leader is always thinking ahead about the people. When God brings you into the church, the church becomes your first thought. If you put in your wife or your mother or anything ahead of God, you have a problem. Everything has to go to God first. And here Moses was thinking about the people. Moses understood that, that need for human leadership. Look at uh, Numbers, the 27th chapter. 
the 15th through the 20th verse says, And Moses spake unto the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation, which may go out before them, and which may go in before them, and which may lead them out, and which may bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep which have no shepherd. And the Lord said to Moses, Take thee Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay hand upon him, and sit him before Eliezer the priest, and before all the congregation, and give him charge in their sight, and thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient unto him. This context shows God's clear agreement of sent to Moses' proposal of setting a human leader to assume the responsibilities over the people after Moses' death. You must need have a leader. When God people ask for a king, God had already said when they go into the land and have a king, God had first saw that already. But as a king, uh, a, a parent, uh, he, that's why it says honor your parent, because whatever individual authority that in charge, God is to, is behind that authority. It's just like I was telling you about the chief of police here. Well, the city and the government has invested him with authority. And, he, you know, being a human, I don't know how spiritual he was, but he was frustrated with the rest of the leadership. Like I said, the nation, not just this city, but the state and the nation, the world doesn't see. This thing is folding in. The world is coming to that prophesied end that Jesus Christ spoke about, and only God's children are going to make it through this. So he's tired of the judges letting the people out and some of the light sentences and some of the things going on. He's frustrated or depressed. And that's what this chapter is about. The church may be struggling with a small number of individuals. There's a lot of Methodist churches that had to start over. Their congregation split up. I think it was over a hundred some churches here in the Louisiana area that divided over church doctrine. So you have to divide over doctrine because doctrine is essential. So some of them wanted to allow homosexual or same-sex same marriage and different things to lead or to be, have office of positions in the church, which is against the doctrines of the Bible. So a lot of the churches of the people lost assets or sacrificed a lot of things, but you have to be willing to give those things up to follow God. So we don't know what the cost is, but it's a lot sometimes that we have to pay. But back to where I'm at here. Jesus was getting ready to leave. His command to Peter in John the 15th chapter, I mean the 21st chapter, the 15th through the 19th verse, he says, So when he had done, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he said unto him, Yeah, Lord, yeah, Lord. Thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. And he said to them again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he said unto him, Feed my sheep. And he said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou man? He said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, and knowest that I love thee. And Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. So the focus here was on Peter's job of teaching and feeding the sheep. It comes through man. He had given him a choice, just like Paul gave Timothy a charge to preach the gospel, preach it in season. Preach it out of season. Preach it when they want to hear it, when they don't want to hear it. But you must preach the word. That's our charge is to preach God's word. Peter later on, when they were saying that the widows was being denied services, well, Peter, in his discretion as the lead apostle, said, "Well, look, 
we don't have time for serving tables and the widows and everything. That's when they established the order, the office of deacon. They said, choose out seven good men that's with the Spirit and let them be the pastor's hands and feet. In other words, that the deacons would tend to stuff like, you know, like I was doing, like we was doing the air conditioning to what's going on in the church. If you go to most churches, that's who running the churches. That's who get the bills paid. That's who making sure everything is done. The preacher is given to studying the word. The deacons are his hands and feet. And the other deaconess, the lady deaconess, all of those serve to help serve the pastor. But as Peter says, we must give ourselves to the studying of the word of God. So it's a lot of churches that have people that go look up the scriptures and look up references and they do all this for the preachers and things because the preacher's main job is reading and studying the word of God to whereby he could come in and feed the sheep, that he feed God's sheep. God's educational system is that God controls that and that no man can, you know, I keep harping on this out of John, the 6th chapter and the 44th verse where it says, No one could come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. That is, give him the desire to come to me, and I will raise him up from the dead on the last days. In other words, he's going to make you spiritually alive, but he has to give you that desire to come to him. You just can't originate a desire to go and trust God. No man would choose God. God chooses them. God gives them that desire. That's why I get frustrated when people, I witness to people, I do things that they don't see it. God just hadn't opened their eyes to see it. God has to open their eyes to see it. Man can't open your eyes to see it. Those churches where people are joining because they have a program for their children, they have a good singing thing, they have this going and other issues. They're not doing that for the sake of the word, and I may say that a lot of those are not his spiritual children. Those are not the ones he's talking about. It must be, you must be born again by the word of God. That's the seed of faith that's sown. That's what you hear. Faith coming by hearing of the word of God hearing of the word of God. That's why teachers teach the word of God. When Jesus was teaching the word, he says, if you would do the doctrine, you would know that it's not of me, that it didn't originate with me, that it originated with God. So that's why a lot of people leave their churches because they're not hearing a spiritual message that connects with their inward man. The teacher is not present. God has set up a system to call and to convert and educate people for himself. Now, they are a minority and a very few. It's a remnant. He always chooses the remnant. So it's not a large number. So I'm not trying to put you in the mind against mega churches or whatever. But those are the bigger bonds where he's gathering them together to burn the tares. He's gathering the wheat into a different place. Uh, they are not mighty, noble, and learned, but they are the weak of the world. God chooses those that are weak of the world. God calls them and gives them his spirit and teaches to help them to understand. Of all people on the earth, only they have a chance to understand the Bible. When you look in the book of Luke, I think it's somewhere back with the 41st chapter or something. Way back at the end of Luke where it says, Then he opened the understanding whereby they may understand the scriptures. Everybody don't get an understanding of the scriptures. But the church is a central, it's the nucleus of where the teaching of God goes on. The book of Titus, the second chapter, the first through the fifth verse, listen at this, it says, But as for you, teach the things which are in agreement with sound doctrine which produces men and women of good character whose lifestyle identifies them as true Christians. Older men are to be temperate and dignified, sensible, sound in faith and in love, in steadfastness, in other words, in Christ-like character. Older women similarly 
are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor addicted to too much wine. And see, we're not paying attention to those scriptures. Do that say she should be a teetotaler that she shouldn't drink at all? It says, no, not addicted to too much wine. Stop putting things in the scripture and preaching your personal opinions and things that the scripture doesn't say and doesn't teach. It says, teaching what is right and good so that they may encourage the young women to tenderly love their husbands and their children. So we see here through scripture that God's command is to the older women to be sober and vigilant and to teach the younger women. Younger women are not learning from the mothers of the church because the mothers of the church have went so far astray. They're preaching their opinions and other things, but when I say they should all be taught of God, we see here the command that God gives the authority to these older women in the church what they should be. And like I said, they're going to be held accountable for what they're doing or for what not they're doing. You hear people say a sin of commission or a sin of omission. You will get punished either way. He says, encourage the young women to tenderly love their husbands and their children to be sensible, pure makers of of a home where God is honored good-natured, being subject to their own husbands so that the word of God will not be dishonored. God obviously saw the ongoing need within the church to have clear leadership and education, not only from ordained elders, but also from the older, more experienced, God-fearing people in the church who should lead by example and exhortation. Older people should be wise and moderate and temperate and able to teach the younger people. They should be a living example of what God likeness is. They should be able to make the statement, as Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It is a major responsibility that God expects from all involved, both from those teaching as well as from those being taught. The responsibility lies on both sides. Now, the shepherd as an educational leader, the shepherd as an educational leader, we see here in the book of Ezekiel, 34th chapter of Ezekiel, the first of the 10th verse says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, The spiritual shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Woe, judgment is coming to the shepherds of the spiritual shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should the shepherds not feed the flock? You eat the fat, the choices of meat, and clothe yourself with the wool. You slaughter the best of the livestock, but you do not feed the flock. You have not strengthened those who are weak. You have not healed the sick. You have not bandaged the crippled. You have not brought back those gone astray. You have not looked for the lost, but you have ruled them with force and violence. They were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the predators of the field. My flock wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. My flock was scattered over all the face of the earth, and no one searched or sought them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, certainly because my flock has become become prey, my flock even become food for every predator of the field for lack of a shepherd. And my shepherds did not search for my flock, but rather the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will demand my flock from them and make them stop tending the flock so that the shepherds cannot feed themselves anymore. I will rescue my flock from their mouths so they they will not be food for them. Now, he uses a metaphor of sheep here. He uses a metaphor of a shepherd 
leading the sheep. God is identifying that over the course of Israel's history, a chief cause of its despicable behavior and the resulting cultural deterioration was almost continuous breakdown of leadership. It's the same thing we have today. We see the pastors, all of the structure in the church are the problem. They're the causes of the problem. Also, the people are the causes because that's the way the people love it and that's the way how the shepherds do because that's what the people love. That's how they get wealthy or whatever by prosperity and all of these other things. But the whole head is corrupt. The whole church has become corrupt. And that's why I say he's going to come in and he's going to gather his flock and gather the true ones. Now, I tell you, he was using an analogy here, a metaphor of sheep and shepherd. He uses the term shepherd to identify the source of the cause. But we need to consider it in more detail because a shepherd is generally associated with a person who leads sheep. But that's just a Bible, a biblical analogy. We will see that this is figurative. A figurative use of sheep when he's talking about docile people. Sheep is some of the most docile animals it is. It, I hate to refer to them as dumb animals, but without a shepherd, the sheep would die. They couldn't survive in the wilderness without a shepherd. And that's the analogy God has is that we can't live without him. We don't have any life without God. So God gives us shepherds of under-shepherds. Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd, but he gives us shepherds to rule over us. Now, in Isaiah 1, God describes Judah as a people laden with sin. And God personified the nation, describing them as a breakdown that the whole nation was sick. The whole head, the whole body was sick. That's Isaiah 1 and 6. The nation was deceived from the lowliest citizens. That's why I say about this nation. From the basis basis of this nation. Uh, I'm trying to... What did Hillary call them? Hillary called them um, the followers of Donald Trump. I forgot what she... the, The word... But the name she used was pretty correct. Because whether they were conservative Christians or whatever they called themselves, they were a defiled people. And her wording of that was correct. And the basis, some of the basis of the people in this nation are corrupted. So we must call something what it is. Just because a person is poor, a degenerate or whatever, we shouldn't dodge that. We have to be impartial in our use from the most vilest of the lowliest of the bases of people up all the way to the president to the leaders of the nation corrupt is corrupt defile is defile the whole nation is defiled there's no other way that this is Babylon it has to be a destruction of the nation God's going to grow a people he's going to grow his kingdom from in the midst of this nation they are God's people that are in preparation and training that God's removing the evil doers. His will is being done. His people are preparing for this takeover, that this world is passing away, and God's people are rising up, and that's, that's what gives us hope. His people that are being taught, see this is coming about. It is easy to assume that in Ezekiel 34 that shepherd first to just the pastors or the religious leaders. Jesus directly him directly refers to himself in John ten eleven in such a way. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But in the Bible, the minister is not the only occupation in which the term shepherd applies to. A clear and perhaps uh, example of this is in Isaiah the forty four chapter in the 28th verse where it says where God himself calls Cyrus a Gentile king my shepherd 
You remember we read that? You remember I said, go all the way back to verse 43, 44, chapter 43 and 44. He says, Cyrus, you remember he called Cyrus his shepherd? Well, that was a Gentile king he was calling a shepherd. No way close to being a Jewish rabbi, a Jewish priest or anything. So it's not just a pastor, the lead, a leader. In 2 Samuel, the fifth chapter, in the second verse, God commands David to shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel in Numbers 27, 15 through 19. Shepherds of literal sheep were providers and guides and protectors and constant companions of the sheep. They slept with the sheep. They were always with the sheep. Thus, they were figures of authority and leadership to, to the animals under their care. Uh, so that connection was so close that you could have three or four flocks of sheep mingled together and all three or four shepherds, each one could stand in an isolated area and call their sheep out and the sheep of that shepherd would leave that herd. If it's 500 sheep and five shepherds, each shepherd had 100 sheep. When that shepherd speaker called, each one of those sheep would go to the respective shepherd that is their shepherd. That's why I say even though the herd is scattered or God's people are scattered, they're not to go to a different pastor or a different leader or whatever. They could go to the leader in which they belong and to which God placed them in. So all of these sheep know the, the voice of their shepherd. So each pastor, that sheep is not going to go to another pastor. It's going to go to the pastor that it hears the voice of God in. And Genesis 31, 38 through 40, Jacob witnesses the closeness of a shepherd to his flock as does Jesus in John 10 and 5. The Bible uses the term in Ezekiel here to designate anyone responsible for giving guidance to a community. Remember I told you about teachers and leaders and God teaching a people. They say they shall be all taught of God. Well, in today's language, in a national sense, shepherds includes a president, prime minister, royalty, or anyone for that matter that's a leader. Britain, you have prime ministers and kings or whatever, you know, the queen of England or the king of England. Uh, Finland, I heard something going on in the news about Finland and Sweden, but they have prime ministers. So does Australia, I think, have prime ministers. It includes all of those, but let me continue down in the list in which God teaches. That's why Whatever position you're in, you're setting a moral example. That's why I said the different aspects of teaching, and that if you led by the Spirit of God, you are a light, you are a teacher. Whether you're teaching as a bad example or a good example. So it would also include representatives in the legislature, it would include court justices all the way down to the local level. The other day a lot of people was disturbed with a judge that wasn't persecuting, prosecuting a case in Livingston Parish where there was sexual child abuse uh, to the monstrosity of the magnitude of what Chris Nakamoto uncovered in the state police division. But the whole state is corrupt. It, it, it is corrupt. You can't change it. God has to destroy it he has to replace it. The whole head is sick. Thus goes with our House of Representatives and our Senate. The whole body of Congress is sick. It has to be replaced. Thus the kingdom of God is coming. He has to destroy the kingdoms of this world. That's why it says if the foundations be destroyed. So he's destroying all of this. Everything that holds this we will. In addition, besides governmental functions, in principle it leads it includes leaders of corporation, whether it be Disney World, Hollywood, or the Nike Company, uh, Facebook, FaceTime, Twitter, or whatever. It's also in education. 
any leaders or person that trains uh, over a university or, or the different professors or what's being taught in the world all the way down to high school, elementary teachers or whatever that exist to train the next generation of community leaders. All of these would be considered shepherds in general, so it doesn't escape that this is a very pervasive teaching. That's why it says they shall all be taught of God. That's why everybody has to be a follower of God. If you're not, either you're for him or against him. You're either being educated by Satan. This world is under the dominance and the influence of Satan. And God has to judge that world. We must not forget the leadership provided by entertainers uh, and media figures, whether it be Tom Cruise or whatever leading movie star. That's why I see a lot of these revenge stars and shows and things. I see a lot of different bad movies. I think Tom Cruise might have played in one or two like that. But he generally has a better persona than the rest of the actors and things. But there are a lot of people that play revenge and, and hateful pictures and different things. Well, you're responsible for all of that teaching and thing. So I say watch the TV programming and the stars, the entertainment. What are you listening at in music? All of that music, the rappers, the country music, all of these things are influencing you. There are so many voices in the world that we're not realizing we either taught of God or we're taught of Satan. It's one or the other. It can't be both. In other words, broadly includes anybody who should be who should be providing righteous leadership over others. Then comes what might be the most important shepherding category of all because they are closest to us and have the most meaningful relationship with us. And that is parents. And that God gives instructions that we should honor our parents. But our parents have a responsibility and an obligation that they should be godly. They will have to answer to God for what they're teaching or not teaching. Uh, normally a shepherd is a person who leads a flock by serving the sheep through his care. But we see there that it's figurative and that anyone could fit that and a shepherd is a human leader in some position of authority. So that could be a pastor in a church, a deacon in a church, a woman, a, a man, or whoever that's over Sunday school, or just whatever you're teaching. As you instruct someone coming to work, you was talking about your boss being absent, but that puts you in leadership or authority. So your shepherdship in his absence, you have to give accountability to God for that. Uh, so we have to be dependent on God in making our decisions. And I have a few scriptures down in our notes for God as a divine teacher, the scriptures that refer to God as being a divine teacher, Christ as a divine teacher, and Christian teachers. See, that's a position we need to work on having a web page and somebody that's responsible for typing up and keeping a web page and keeping it with the notes and everything so people worldwide can see our notes, can see what we're doing or whatever. But somebody somewhere that belongs in this church doing that is not doing their job. They're not where they're supposed to be. And a lot of people are suffering for that. That's why everybody needs to find their place in the body of Christ. There is a place in the body of Christ. God's going to fill these places. It's desolate now, but I have a hope that God's training and he's bringing people that will fill these places. Training, training, and his will be done. Exodus 2, 9 through 10. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thine wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it, and the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, and he called his and she called his name Moses, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. So here God works through the midwives in Pharaoh's daughter 
and Jochebed that they saved Moses. Moses' sister watched as Pharaoh's daughter found Moses. She took the baby, gave it back to the mother to raise. She didn't know that was the mother, but she asked him to nurse it. So in Moses' formative years, his mother taught him and reared him and raised him in what the Hebrew culture was like. That's why as he grew old, you remember he slew the Egyptian because he knew those were his formative years. That's why a lot of jobs and the people argue about the woman going to work and being in the home and while the baby's a child. I was thankful to God that I was able to work and God in, in gifted me to work extra in different jobs and I wasn't at home as much as I wanted to be. But it served to the point where my wife was at home with all of our five kids until the youngest one started school. She was able to be at home to hang out five or six and started school. Those are the formative years that the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. He shall not depart from it when he's young. So in Moses' formative years, God allowed his mother to train him up and fix him in the way that he should go. And that's what happens happening now. When God births us again, he born, we're born again, that's when we should start hungering and thirsting to be fed by the Word of God. Fed in His righteousness. This is the time of our training and drilling in righteousness. That's what the teacher, that's why he put the gifts in the church that I was talking about early in the book of Ephesians, that he had set gifts in the church, and this is for training up the church members. And that's why it says, forsake not the assembling together of yourself. So by me teaching this over and over and drilling it into you, by we living this, we are preparing for the kingdom of God a way that we won't depart from it. It's becoming part of our nature. He says, come out from among them and be separate, and I'll be a God unto you. So now we're desolate, it seems, though, but we're children of God. We separate. We may not be we in the world, but not of the world. So it's a lot of times we may be alone. We may not have a whole lot of friends or associates. On holidays or different times, everybody get together for the 4th of Christmas, uh, Easter, a lot of these days. But it seemed like we sing aloud, that we could go in the room and read, or we can ride or go somewhere, stay separate, because everybody's in their little hollows and corners and we like a, a sore thumb or something. We sticks out. We don't fit in. But that's because we're consecrated unto God. We shouldn't follow the world and be taught. If the world love us and if we love the world, we're not of God. It's that difference that makes us that. So we're performing, uh, learning to perform what we should do in the latter days. So God corrects us and he corrected Moses. He corrected Aaron. The book of uh, Proverbs, the 29th chapter and the 15th verse says, the rod and reproof, that is, godly instructions give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. So we know that there's different punishments and different consequences in our lives that's why we depart from iniquity or evil because we know every sin and transgression we receive is just recompense of reward. And so that's why we will prosper and we start growing in the Lord because we know the truth and we know the truth is prosperous. And God speaks here of why he had turned his face away from us for a while and that we seem to be stranded or outcast, but God was aware of that, but it comes a time when God turns back to us. He causes us to prosper. He causes us to grow, and he causes that union, and we'll have that social well-being. We'll have a family. We'll have people around us, but all of it would be those who love the Lord. Those are the spiritual children. That's why I said, Jesus says, who's my mother, father, sister, brother? 
but those that do the will of my Father. So we have to learn the things of God and His Word is that rod. It's His instructions. We're all categorized like some um, uh, churches have catechism, or catechism training or whatever. We are all trained in the things of God. But we have to watch it when we break off and go into the visions and the catechisms and the teachings venge venture out into man's ideology, man's philosophy and his thoughts, teaching things that of private interpretation that's not biblical. They go astray. Second Timothy 1 and 5 says, I, I remember your sincere, unqualified faith, the surrendering of your entire self to God in Christ with confident trust in his power, wisdom, and goodness, which was first in your Grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am confident then that that is in you as well. Paul had reason to entrust Timothy with the church's doctrine. He had been trained in the scriptures in a Christian way of life by his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. He was a third generation Christian and he had the training that gave him the background to be an evangelist with, within God's word. And how extensive and personal training was is open to question. At least he had a form of the right kind of training. So that's what we are in. We're training a person in godliness. And Titus said, that's what we have to focus on. Being taught of the things of God. Not in the sense of that God's here personally teaching each and every one of us. No, the Spirit's personally with you, and it's going to lead you and guide you in all truth. But more than less likely, it's going to be a man or individual that he's going to send, that he had gifted to bring us the right way. He's like the Ethiopian eunuch says, how could I learn or how could I understand without someone to instruct me? And that's when Phillips explained to him the Scriptures and told him what the Scripture was saying. And he says, here's water, what hinders me from being baptized? So the church pastor, the teacher, or someone else clear, or gives clarity to the scriptures, and it's teaching that comes from God. God works through man to teach and instruct man. And we were talking about something on the way up here. I'll tell you about it later. I don't want to do it over air or whatever, but God works through people, but we have to question the teaching and what's being said and why being said and not allow spirits to come in. He says, try the spirits to see whether they be of God, but the, is it a practical thing what that person said? The only way we could know that is that we pray to God for his leadership and guidance and that we actually know the word of God and ask him to give us a clear understanding of his word to give us wisdom and knowledge and understanding of a discernment of what is right and wrong.